with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses and challenge your beliefs. A world where science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good evening, everyone, or afternoon, or morning, wherever you are. Welcome to Ghost Chronicles International. I am Ron Kolek, your host, the gatekeeper around the unknown, the unexplained, the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. With me, fresh from Ireland, that actually let him out of the country, the gold standard in ghost hunting, Mr. Steve Parsons. Good evening. Mm. So busy weekend. Uh, a, a very busy weekend. Very enjoyable weekend. Mm. Yeah, I saw some of the uh, photos from it. Looked interesting. Uh, what we're talking about, Steve, why don't you fill us in? Well, I was um, one of the speakers at the inaugural Day of the Unexplained Paracon. Uh, which was held in the southeast of Ireland in County Wexford, the town of New Ross. Mm. There, it was a one-day event, all day Saturday till late, uh, and then so I travelled over Friday and then travelled back again on Sunday. it's quite a schedule. Yeah, I know, but it's kind of good in a way. It's cost-wise, it's you know. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, and. Uh, yeah, I say I'm looking forward to going back in the summer to uh, another event I was invited to whilst there. Ah, good for you. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's funny how you get, you know, you go to one paracon and all of a sudden you get someone else to. Uh, uh, well, it, it, I mean, in fairness, um, mm-hmm. living so close to Ireland as I do, there's only 40 miles of water between where I am and you know, uh, Ireland. It's a place where I've come to spend a lot of time. I have a lot of friends. Um, one of the one of uh, our mutual friends was there on Saturday, Michael Benson. Well, he he's actually your friend because you were the one that introduced us. So I, I will say that it's you. and uh, another mutual friend uh, was was in attendance all day. Um, a bit like the old days, Dr. Kieran O'Keefe. Excellent, really. Uh, he was he was the speaker following me, and um, yeah, we it was it was a good opportunity to catch up because we haven't seen each other for uh, a long, long time. Yeah, I mean, you do you used to do quite a bit with him. You were most haunted with him. You used to do uh, so. You want to be a ghost hunter or whatever that was. Uh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, all um, those little fun fun little things. It, it you know it was it was just like. Um, it's kind of strange because I say we haven't seen each other for uh, it's approaching 10 years mm-hmm. and um, it was like we hadn't seen each other for two weeks yeah and some people are like that you know you you, you, you don't see them for a long period of time and it's just like you never yeah, missed we a just, beat we, we yeah. just picked up our you know our relationship mm-hmm. where we where we left off yeah and um, he's busy teaching classes and stuff online. I notice he does a lot of online stuff now. Well, he's got the School of Parapsychology, but his main work now is predominantly related to um, 
his academic non-parapsychology psychology, um, because he's also a forensic psychologist. Is he really? Oh, yeah, that's right. Because when I had him over here, I was the one that uh, gave him the name Paranormal CSI, uh, which he quickly stuck into his uh, presentation. So, yeah, so he was he was on the speaker's pa- uh, thing, and then we shared the panel discussion afterwards. Um, mm-hmm. Another name, uh, I'm just trying to think of all, all of the different... I mean, a lot of the speakers... Um, with the exception of myself and, and Kieran and a uh, guy called Ashley Darkwood, who is a British psychic investigator. Oh, yeah. Um, he was there. But the rest of the the speaker list was rightly Irish from both North and South. Teams had travelled. There was a lot of paranormal teams there. Oh, um, excellent. Uh, they travel from the north, fr- from Belfast, um, out from the uh, Irish west coast, east coast, well, all points of the compass. Uh, haunted Wexford there, or whatever, Wexton, uh, whatever is it, Wexton Paranormal? Uh, uh, Wexford Paranormal uh, are no longer uh, in existence. Oh, sorry to um, hear that. But um, their place has been taken by many, many, many others. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> It, it, all with the um, it was like a fashion show you know competing mm. fleeces and t-shirts <laughs> yeah so anyway uh yeah i mean it's it, it sounded like a really good event um, it was uh, you know I, I i complimented the team that put it together um because it was you know how some paracons can be a little bit mm, the organization could be a little better you know, a little bit chaotic, especially first ones, inaugural ones. Um, you know, they're finding their feet. But these guys seem to, you know, they put a lot of work into the organization. And their plan was initially to do just one. But such was the demand from uh, attendees and participants that they've already said that there will be one next year as well. Mm. It was a good turnout. And would I go? Uh, full. Um, it was held in a theatre venue, so mm-hmm. um, um, yeah, it was it was it was pretty full. Um, there must have been well over a hundred people. Oh wow, that's a good crowd. Yeah. 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 So uh, I, I want to get back to the the panel discussion. The panel discussion was it a debate between the particip- I mean, the uh, speakers, or was it just like a Q and A? Sadly, it was it was more of more of a Q and A because I was hoping um, that it would be you know more of a debate type Q um, with audience mm-hmm. participation, you know, right. question led um, <clears throat> between myself and Kieran because the, the original panel was going to be myself, Kieran, and Cal Cooper, mm-hmm. uh, who was also originally supposed to go, but due to a last minute problem, um, I had to withdraw. Uh, so his his place was taken by Helena Scott. Uh, Helena is of um, mixed Irish Spanish, I think descent. Hmm. Uh, is a uh, psychic. Um, although she, I think she refers to herself as a light worker, and she, uh, yeah, she. Um, and she's been researching the Templar connection to Ireland, and um, 
chakras and mystical signs and symbols mm-hmm. and um, and uh, relatively, you know, at the last minute, she she also joined us on the panel. So obviously, a debate between myself and Kieran wouldn't have been, you know, would have excluded her. Yeah, so, I, I, you know, I I was thinking, you know, if it was a debate, like you know, you had you mentioned that other gentleman, Ashworth or whatever the heck his name was, but uh, you know, if he was on the panel and and you and you were talking about paranormal investigator and he's the psychic you said he was psycho paranormal investigator and you you you're more science-based and and karen uh, so it would have been interesting to see the the opposing points of view uh the common ground in the in the opposites uh between the the different points well i mean that's that's kind of what we ended up with um Mm -hmm. but it was a case of um because of the, the format um you you had um, you know, what do you think of? Uh, what are your thoughts about? Yeah. Um, and of course, Kieran and I, when it comes to in, the actual methods of investigating, we broadly agree. Right. Um, so otherwise, you know, it could have ended, then ended up looking like two versus one ganging up. I get it. So you know, you you have to. Um, you have to be because it's it's disrespectful to the other panel members. Mm-hmm. Whereas, had it just been the psychologist and the and the you know the physicist, engineer, um, going head to head, that could have been a you know that could have worked well as a debate. I, I don't know though. I I kind of disagree with that. I I think that you should be able to stand on your own, uh, and. You know, no matter uh, how many are on the other side or whatever, if, if your your points of view are your points of view, so uh, I, I would have found it interesting myself. But uh, who am I? I'm just an American anyway. So what do I know? <laughs> it's it's quite difficult unless you're actually there. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the advantages of doing it on stage is that you can read the audience and you can read the question and you can sort of read the ambiance in the room. Right. And then, and then tailor your answer accordingly. Um, because you don't want to give offense. You're not there to offend and upset. You're no, no, no. To... It's, it, it's, it's not a, a, a no, offense if you days, have a different point of view. Yeah, you, you know what the world is like these days. I know that's yeah. true too. You have to be quite mindful, not just of the answers you're giving, or the person that you're, you know, you're direct, you know. That means there's no open-minded skeptics or no open-minded people, basically. <laughs> um, mindful, open people, I think, was better, would be a better way of putting it. Um, I was particularly, you know, because there is an audience, they're paying, and you, you know, we we live in a new world now where people can be easily offended mm-hmm. very quickly. And so you, oh, you, as I know, because no one's yeah. more irreverent than I am, especially. Exactly. Uh, you exactly. See exactly. Yeah. You know, mm. when answering the questions after that followed my talk, you know, they got, you know, straight talking answers. Ah, but, excellent. But, you know, the panel was a slightly different beast. But no, a very enjoyable really. day nonetheless. And it was nice to go back to Ireland as well. You know, it was it was very much like um, this is no reflection on Ireland, but the whole scene hadn't 
you know, uh, I was talking to Michael Benson and we both said pretty much the same thing that it was, you know, if we had, um, you know, been abducted 10 years ago and then parachuted into this paracon, um, nothing had changed. Huh. Absolutely. I, you know, it was exactly the same. I don't mean the people, but the whole, um, you know, the whole approach, it's still very much driven by the television, by the media. That's what I was going to ask you. The, the audience itself, what were you talking about age of the audience, average age of the audience? Um, there, were, there weren't very many. Uh, Youngins? There weren't very many teens. There was a couple. Mm -hmm. um, I would say the majority were aged between, say, late 20s to uh, retirement age. With, no, with, the, with the broad majority of them um, sort of in the 30s, 40s. Okay, middle age. Then. Okay. So yeah, I'm right, just, cur just um, curious. Um, yeah. And probably about 50-50 male, female. Oh, that's interesting. You know, over here, we, we tend to have more feminine uh, enthusiasts, paranormal enthusiasts, than we do uh, uh, male. We have a lot of male teens, but as far as uh, the people that actually go to these events, I would say the majority are female. Uh, and that's my own observations, not based on any particular data or what you what what you do see, um, particularly in in Ireland, is um, this idea of team identity, much much more so than um, I've I've ever seen in the UK or even in the USA. Mm. Um, you know, each of the teams have the um, jacket, hoodie, t-shirt. Oh, God. Um, and they 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 tend to move together as a group. If that makes sense. No, totally understand what you're saying. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of like, yeah, although they, they, you know, they're all friendly with one another and they, they interact with one another, they tend to sort of stick together, stick together. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, as a, as a, a kind of a tribe, I suppose. Mm, a gang, a gang. Yeah. A gang. I'm sure, I'm sure that, I'm sure nobody will be offended if I point, also pointed out the remarkable similarity in between each of the speakers. There was a, a short interlude so that, you know, you could, um, the tech could be reset. And so the, the next bit, uh, talk could be loaded and such. Mm -hmm. um, and they had like, um, um, like an interval screen that played and it was photographs that had been supplied by the groups. Um, of the groups, like group promo stuff. Oh, yeah. And their logos, um, you know, sort of um, kind of like band um, promotion pictures for musicians. Mm -hmm. And I did comment and was struck by the remarkable similarity of the black and white images, the the poses that were struck, the moody expressions, the arms <laughs> folded, and the, and the sort of steampunk gothic Mm -hmm. you know, feel of the whole thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it was like an audition for, you know, um, you know, kind of like ba um, a band 
competition. Rock band. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, the the uh, the, the surprises they didn't wear uh, tour shirts, you know. Um. <clears throat> well, <laughs> no, but I mean, the other part of it was there was also um, uh, like a small sales and display area as well up on up on the um, up the oh, floor. Cool. Yeah. Um. So. There was a large, a large stall selling all manner of uh, minerals, crystals, crystal jewellery. Um, ghost tech at all? No ghost tech for sale, but plenty on display. Oh, um, that's interesting in itself. Yeah, there was none, none for sale, but a huge array of it on display, particularly what we wanted, that ranged from, well, everything you can imagine, um, you know, Cat toys, REM pods, stuffed animals, a drone, um, a, a range of EMF meters, uh, cameras, things on sticks and poles, um, stuff that looked like miniature coffins with flashing lights on, uh, music boxes, the whole, the whole, you know, panoply, yeah, yeah, the whole panoply of ghost tech. Um, was on display, and and that display was was that by the uh, organizers or was that that was one of the paranormal teams? Um, oh, they just put their own stuff on. So. They they yeah they put their own and they you know they were talking about what they do and then there was a small area where um, there was a small selection of books for sale. We all recently printed you know sort of people who had um, some people who were authors who may have brought some books with them to sell. Yeah, well, that's a good thing. No copies it, uh, of Ghostology, no paracoustics, and no SPR guides. I was just going to ask you if there was none. That's that would be like the most logical thing. <laughs> well, it would because uh, um, originally there would have been um, a large selection of them, um, but in order, you know, cost of living. Mm-hmm. Um, so instead of taking the car, I travelled as a foot passenger, and travelling as a foot passenger means that you don't have room to carry a lot of stuff. Oh, I get it. Okay, yeah. So um, you know they can get the books on Amazon, so there's no need for me to carry them. Yeah. And you know I was checking the sales on yesterday, Monday, mm-hmm. and you know there have been. In fact, somebody bought. Uh, there were people buying Kindle editions whilst whilst we were there. Mm, bemoaning the fact that I I couldn't I couldn't sign their Kindle edition. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I I mean that's I mean I've written you know three books, but uh, you know I was I've done talks and, and sometimes I just don't bring the books with me. It's like I, you can get them cheaper on Amazon or whatever, and and sometimes like people are really disappointed because you don't have any books to to hawk for them. It's like. Well, you know, I really, you know, get it on Amazon. Yeah, but we it's like, okay. Actually, you know, you're absolutely right. In fact, your better chances that, you know, people, it's a shame actually um, that I didn't because people are likely to, you know, they might have 10 quid in the pocket Mm -hmm. and think, oh, I'll grab the book. Whereas if they go back home and, you know, they, they buy a coffee or, yeah, then they only get seven quid. Yeah. You know, it's like, oh, I'll do that next week. I'll do that on payday. Mm-hmm. I'll do that at the end of the... And then, of course, I'll keep meaning to get that book, but you never do. That's true. Uh, but I was given I was given um, um, by Helena, Helena Scott, the um, lady I was talking about earlier. She gave me uh, a copy of her book 
which was about Loftus Hall, you know, the uh, haunted house uh, in County Wexford, claims to be Ireland's most haunted house. Yeah. Um, which she has um, extensively uh, looked at. Not, did not, did not, we broadcast from there one time? We did. Yeah, I thought so, yeah. That's the one we with did. the hole in the ceiling from the devil? That's the one. That's Ah, that. yeah. That's the one. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, so that was, you know, that was nice. Big book, heavy book, bit of a struggle bringing it back, but... Was it a hard, hard cover? <laughs> yeah, it's one of these um, very lavishly... It's uh, She did the text and her partner... Uh, did photos? Uh, did, and they are, you know, like full, full size. It's a, you know... Oh, wow. Very, Almost like a coffee table book. It is a coffee table book. In fact, it's okay. so big and heavy, you put four legs on it, it would make a wonderful coffee table. <laughs> Uh, but I was very pleased to receive it yeah. and um, add it to the library. Excellent. So, anyways, uh, speaking about, let's see what time wise, how we're doing wise on time. Uh, okay, but we'll get up towards the end. Well, but, I, I did. I did also on the way out there. I did get to meet next week's guests. Really? Yeah, because as you know, I'd sent uh, Dylan and Bridget to Ireland for a week to, mm-hmm. you know, as a warm up act. Um, you know, to uh, get the crowd ready. Um, I think they'd originally planned to be at the Paracon, but yeah, that's right. that I they thought... had to travel back early. Uh, so things. our paths crossed at the port here in Wales for for an hour or so, an hour and a half. Um, we, we managed to grab a quick cup of coffee and I got to meet Bridget for the first time. Uh, was there with me. Yeah, Cap. Cat was there too. Uh, then, then we bid them farewell. They went off back on their world tour of Wales, mm. and um, I set off across a, quite a bumpy Irish sea. It was very bouncy. Yeah, he's selling the RV. No more ghost RV. So, so he's keeping the he's keeping the license uh, plate though. Oh, that's nice. Anyway, uh, we are coming up to break, and I do want to mention that we have announced the dates for Spirit Quest this year, which is. September 29th through October 1st uh, at the VZ Estate. And uh, stay tuned for more information on that. So Spirit Quest 2023, uh, September 29th through the October 1st. Uh, stay tuned for more information. You can go to my website. We'll have all the information up once it's available at any, the letter N, the letter E, ghostproject.com, any ghostproject.com. Anyway. Uh, What's the theme? That's a cigarette. It's not being revealed yet. You Um, you haven't thought of it yet? No, I have thought of it. I pretty much know what I want. I've asked some of the past participants uh, what they would like to see as well. And I have a a very good idea what we're doing. Uh, So you haven't thought of it yet? No, I have. I have very much thought of it. I pretty much know (laughs) what it is. So anyway, uh, uh, and speaking of speaking of that duo that you were talking about doing the yeah. Irish tour, they the will paranormal be, couple. Yes, they will the Eng, English paranormal couple uh, or the Eng, Anglo-American paranormal couple. Um, they will be at the USS Salem in May, uh, each doing a presentation. Uh, with, All right, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, so I am. Um, I, I did suggest that maybe they should start collecting a few haunted artifacts to hawk around with them. Mm-hmm. Oh, in fact, you'll be at that event as well. Kind of like a traveling museum. 
Yeah, good idea. But you'll also be at, at the, the event as well. Uh, uh, only uh, uh, as will you. Yeah, yeah, maybe. Yeah, you'll be there. Dylan will be there. Bridget will be there. But I won't mm -hmm. be there. But I will be speaking there. Mm -hmm. um, by by um, means of technology, um, if it works, hopefully. I have no idea. Well, I'm doing it by Zoom. So, so um, good luck to you. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, all right. So that's coming up in May, and uh, I forget the what. What's it? I forget the uh, expo. I don't, I don't know. I, I can't know. remember. But if you you do uh, paranormal export uh, USS Salem, I bet you you would find it expo. Excuse me, a paracon, whatever they call. Them. So uh, anyways, you could check that out. Um, and uh, like I said, Bridget and uh, Dylan will be there and, and Steve will be doing a presentation uh, via Zoom, hopefully. Uh, and so will Rob. And, and so will Rob. Mm. But not by Zoom. You've actually got to drive through all that Boston traffic. That's uh, well, that's to be seen. So <laughs> <laughs> I don't think the listeners actually know how much you love driving through Boston, down to Quincy. Uh, anyway. So hey, you 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 heard about the boss uh, the the T right in Boston right yeah transit yeah. right and yeah. it was like plagued with problems absolutely plagued with problems uh huh so here's the latest uh, if you go down 495 north you'll see a new brand new uh, orange line T car in the middle of the highway so really they, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It seems uh, the brand new cars that they bought, uh, well, you know, the trailer <laughs> got unhitched somehow and it's stuck in the middle of the highway. So, there you go. so Steve, and we are coming up to the break, there's like two minutes left. I do want to ask you, do you think it's cursed? Is it a curse on the Boston T, the MBTA? I don't know, but it sounds like fun. So it's completely broken down in the middle of the highway. Oh, the the the, the thing is not broken down. The, the trailer it was riding on broke down. What in the middle of I ninety five? No, four ninety five. Oh, four ninety five. Four ninety five. Yes, it's right yeah. in the middle of the highway. Yep. Wow. It's been there all day. No one's <laughs> figured out how to get the hell out of there. But anyways, we are coming to break. Today's uh, show is brought to you. Uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International right here on Tojinet Radio with Steve Possett and Ron Kolick. And uh, we're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrick Street, Bethune, Massachusetts. The uh, God, I can't remember who they are, but somebody else. And also our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon. Uh, you too can become a member. And uh, when we come back in the break, I, I have some... I have some news about the uh, Loch Ness Monster. We'll be right back. Welcome to Tokinet, radio with a cutting edge. Do you have a paranormal event? 
book or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. National edition with New England's own Van Helsing and fresh back from Ireland, Ireland. Tis the gold standard himself. Did they really talk that way? Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I do. Um, hey, I, I uh, Jan and I just. Yeah, completed... next month, oh, yeah, we'll get to that in a second. I just have a question okay. for you. Quick question for you, actually. Uh, Jan and I just completed a series that on uh, Prime uh, called Whitechapel. Is that it? Oh, that yeah, was, yeah. That was did that, you watch it? Uh, yeah, well, watched it a long time ago here. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. 2013, I think it was the. Yeah, finish. it's um, Stephen Mangan, and uh, he's a detective in the East End of London just after the Ripper murders. It's a drama set, uh, it's fictional, um, and it's set just after the Ripper murders. It's, no, it's one day. It's one day. Oh, sorry. I was thinking of another one. Yeah, uh, yeah. One. I, I, I thought that was too. Yeah, I remember that one. Yeah, I saw that yeah. too. Yeah. Oh, right. I sorry. I'm with you now. Yes. Um, Kat has watched Whitechapel, which is the modern Jack the Ripper sort of uh, 21st century version of. It's actually 21st vision of uh, X Files. Yeah. Because they they Got do on. you know they they deal with a lot of different things uh that are uh paranormal in nature plus it's a, a dark underlying theme song to go hang on hang on i'm getting really muddled up here okay has, um, has this got um uh spring gonna, don't, back in it? no uh oh. wait a minute uh in no i don't think so it has the cray brothers do you know Re- what Re- reincarnation of the Cray brothers, the Cray, the the mobsters from from London. No, clearly I haven't seen it. Oh yeah, yeah, it's got uh, end day stuff. It's got all kinds of weird things. That uh, said, that yeah. said, um, very every, dark and gritty series. 
Go ahead. Um, I, I don't recall ever seeing it, but that's how I was about to then add, and if my wife had been alongside me, she would have been laughing, because uh, there's a film, a tank film, set in World War Two called Fury. Oh, yes. Which I've seen three times. Really? And every time they show the trailer, I go, that's a good film. We should we should watch that. And she <laughs> goes, you've watched it. I said, really? I have no recollection of watching it, but I've watched it three times now. <laughs> Truly memorable film. Uh, I watched uh, Whitechapel, the movie you were talking about, and I didn't ever, I couldn't. It only when I was like halfway through it, I, I yeah. picked up a little thing. So I said, "Oh, wait a minute! I think I've seen this before." And it was uh, it wasn't worth seeing, me, quite me. frankly. But <laughs> yeah, that happens to me quite a bit with movies because yeah. I'm not. I don't know. I I've never been um, mm-hmm. a fan of uh, fiction stories and you know that sort of yeah. genre. I yeah. I don't care. My, my wife really gets into them, you know, she she connects with the characters and mm-hmm. and the plot and whereas I don't know I think my brain works differently. Mm-hmm. I just don't really connect with fiction. And I can watch a film and I can enjoy a film and then a week later I can remember absolutely nothing about the film. Which is great because I've now seen Ghostbusters 496 times. <laughs> it's as fresh now as it the other 495. You know that's a sign of dementia, right? In that case, I've had it all my life. <laughs> that's the good thing about dementia; everything's new. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, uh, I I do it. I oh, it's... like Ron and Ron and Beth's new car. Yes, yeah. nice, yes. Nice little car. Is it is it a hybrid or electric? No, or? no, no, no. Uh, they're trying to make us go that way, and they're actually trying to ban gas heat. Yeah, yeah, we're having to get over it. Yeah. Anyways, uh, I, I do want to move on, but uh, I, I do want to recommend uh, Whitechapel. It's it's a dark and gritty film, but it, it's fascinating to to watch. It's uh, on the power, definitely on the paranormal side. The first cadence. Is a re, like a reincarnation of the Ripper, and uh, it, it's it's uh, it's an interesting series. It's I you think know, you know what's going to happen tomorrow, don't you? I'll say to but, you, I'll say I'll say to Cat tomorrow. Have I seen Whitechapel? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Whitechapel, the, the modern day detective one, not the, yeah. the old time. Anyway, no, I'll say, have I seen it? And she'll tell me I've watched it four hundred ninety-five okay. times. There you go. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, you and I both enjoy uh lake monsters sea serpents all that stuff right nessie that's absolutely right yeah and so i've been doing more research on 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 the subject and including uh nessie and and they have some interesting and and i want to because you mentioned something the last time we talked about nessie and and i want to bring that up too but um the the lock itself, for those who don't know, is quite big. It's 23 miles long, roughly a uh, mile across, 750 feet deep. Uh, it's also very murky because there's a lot of peat in the water that's uh, decomposing and so forth. Um, but it is. It's also I didn't know exactly, but it it, it does run to the sea uh, through a series of uh, the the river Nessie. River Ness is it, Steve? That's correct. So it's intriguing to think. So there have been so many theories about it. The one was the the plesiosaurus, of course, and uh, you don't believe in the plesiosaurus, right? 
I don't think anybody believes in the police. No, 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 neither do I. I mean, that it's alive today. We believe it, it exists. Because oh, oh, well, uh, yeah, no, I, I've seen skeletons of plesiosaurs yeah. in, in museums. You know, they existed, but they're not the lot now. In fact, I, in the last 30 years, I don't think anybody now believes uh, that the Loch Ness monster is a plesiosaur. Right. Uh, there were there was some uh, some humor in, in the in the uh, the research I did because they actually hired a a, a famous uh, hunter, big game hunter. Yeah, Duke is it Duke? Yeah, Ma Duke, Ma Duke, Duke, something or other. I can't think of the name, of course. Well, well he, he um, yeah, um, and you tell me about his hippo foot. <laughs> yes, wasn't that something? Yeah, and they. Uh, yeah, they, they, yeah, they, yeah, they, they found, found the these, Well, yeah. he found them. He found the footprints of Nessie at the side mm -hmm. of the loch because he was hired by. He was a very famous uh, big game hunter. Yeah, uh, right. traveled all over the world shooting big game animals uh, like buffaloes and elephants and tigers and. Um, and he he claimed to have found footprints of the monster in the shores of in the mud at the shores of the loch, mm. and. Um, yeah, his reputation was a bit dented when they discovered that um, the footprints found at the side of the loch matched exactly uh, a hippo foot umbrella stand that he had in his home. Mm -hmm. See, that's the thing, you know, when they first found it, when they were, they were talking about it, they said, well, like, there aren't any hippos there, so, you know, this must be that. But then uh, at that time, and, and you're absolutely right, there were many uh, people in the UK, especially, that were adventures that went to ask Africa big game hunting, and they used to get these uh, trophies. Uh, this was a, a hippo uh, foot that they made into an umbrella stand, but they also used them for ash trees and other things uh -huh. as well. Yeah, so I thought that was rather humorous. That that would crack me up a little bit. He he, he you know his reputation was in tatters, as you can imagine afterwards. And yeah, um, and then the inevitable claims of they framed me. It wasn't me, Gov. Right, exactly. Um, <laughs> And it was it, it stems from that the most famous photograph of Loch Ness monster, the surgeon's photograph, mm -hmm. because it was a relative or close associate of him, who um, was the London surgeon who claimed to have taken the photograph of um, the head and neck, the famous the most famous photograph of the Loch Ness Monster called the Surgeon's Photograph. Right. Um, and that was... There, there are many photographs. Some but this, that, is the, this, is the, uh, this is the most famous one. Yeah, absolutely. You, absolutely. Uh, whenever you see Loch Ness, you know, and you, you see this photo. This photo appears. It is right. the... Um, but that was actually staged, as has been revealed, um, by an associate of... Um, was it Marmaduke Weatherall? I think his name was. Yeah, uh, I think it is. Absolutely. Uh, I might be. I'm, yeah. Uh, anyway, um, as a revenge for him being stitched up by the, you know, or being um, outed by the media mm. for his, um, so his he may be responsible for the two largest hoaxes to have taken place at the Loch Ness. Yeah, and and. And you know it's, yeah, that's 
there there are other ones too and there are there are actually oh, some there vid are. Vid there video are. footage as well and uh there is there, there are footage. what is interesting in fact loch ness um I was, I was talking to somebody about loch ness in ireland whilst i was at the, over there at the weekend and you know one thing that it, you've got to point out um that there has never been a sonar survey of loch ness and there have right. been hundreds but there has never been a sonar survey of Loch Ness that hasn't produced a very large anomaly deep in the loch, which appears to be a large animal. There is, Every there is single one. There is. I, I don't know if you're referring to this, but there was a, a survey that was taken where they they had. Uh, I think that was no. I take that that was a video. And uh, they actually shows the the surgeon's photo basically underwater. It has that neck and everything else. Yeah, uh, yeah. I but know it was you. it was discovered that it was actually a prop from a Sherlock Holmes movie. Well, the, the, one of the others was um, um, an American professor, Ryan, mm -hmm. um, who had come over. Um, and uh, you know funded research he, he made several visits and came up with the famous rhomboid photograph of the flipper the flipper is a cool one yeah um again and then the gargoyle head photograph which um was supposed to be the monster peering into the camera lens mm -hmm. um he he did set up a frame mounted underwater camera in the lock in urquhart bay and the camera um when it had like a motion sensor in front of it whenever anything approached um the camera would take a photograph mm -hmm. and a series of photographs you know when they when they collected the camera had in fact been taken and when they were processed one of these was supposedly the rhomboid fin or flipper photograph and the other was the gargoyle head photograph. Mm -hmm. And they were the basis of Sir Peter Scott, who was the son of the Antarctic explorer, um, Scott, Scott of the Antarctic, yeah. um, producing his famous picture and Nessie becoming named uh, with her Latin name of Nessiteris Rhombopteryx. <laughs> which means because of the rhomboid shaped flip, fair flipper. Uh, and he produced a picture of, you know, this plesiosaur creature with the uh, rhomboid shaped flippers. Mm -hmm. But as it transpired, um, uh, the, the camera on its frame um, moved slightly whenever, because although the water in Loch Ness is a, is a, is a lock, a land lock, um, you know, it's 26 miles long, it's a mile and a bit wide and it's mm -hmm. widest point. And right. it has it has currents of water that flow from one end to the other uh, that are caused by um, warmer water and colder water because it's so deep. And these would cause the frame to move and tilt. And it kept photographing the bottom of the lock. Um, and so the beneath it, in front of the frame, was a tree stump. And when they had a look at the tree stump, they found that uh, it was indeed the same as the gargoyle face 
<laughs> on the photograph. And that the flipper was um, almost certainly, you know, um, just, a, you know, some vegetation that was drifting past. Uh-huh. So, uh, again, um, Ryan, an American professor, I think from from Boston. He was from Boston. Uh-huh. Um, he He came back a few more times. Um, I think there was an underwater, I think he, uh, part of his expedition involved a, a, a small submersible craft. Um, but but the first of the, the sonar experiments I mentioned was line scan. Uh, and then there was line scan two or deep scan. Right. Um, and basically they, they got a lot of, uh, I think there were 15 or 20. Bunch of boats, yeah. Bunch of boats and they lined them up at 50 foot intervals across the lock. And then they all moved together in a line, uh, scanning the the lock with their sonar, so that if there was anything in the water, obviously it couldn't dodge this line of sonar sweep that was moving progressively the length of the lock. And they got several um, contacts. And there have been other, you know, uh, university and Discovery Channel um, funded sonar surveys and every single one and there have been dozens and dozens mm-hmm. um, have um have shown a large animate moving object deep in the in, in the waters of Loch Ness and there have been hundred, hundreds of uh sightings as well over oh, the years uh, more than hundreds thousands mm-hmm. of sightings yeah. now obviously a lot of people misinterpret misinterpret um, or they see something and you know don't but from from my visits up there, one of the most interesting um, parts was talking to people who lived around the lock. You know, people who farmed the land, people who worked out on the lock, people whose houses overlooked the lock, um, and they see the water day in, day out, year in, year out, in all of the seasons, all of the different weather conditions. Um, you know, they see the boats, they see the occasional dolphins that do get into the lock. Um, and they they report stuff, and they're not easily fooled by you know the conventional explanations of boats, dolphins, birds, and all manner of other you know explanations. One of right. the craziest explanations, of course, was was elephants, right? Um, because back in the nineteen between the nineteen thirties and nineteen sixties, traveling circuses used to take elephants into um, Loch Ness, so that the elephants could splash around in the water. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, that was put forward as an explanation. In fact, what there's even been explanations that the, the Loch Ness monster might be the ghost of a plesiosaur or a time-traveling plesiosaur. And the research that was intriguing was the Stronsay monster. Are you familiar yeah. with that? Yeah. Which is not far from the lock, actually. Uh, it's it was found. Uh, it it, uh, it it what we're talking about is a carcass that had washed up on uh, Stronsay, and um, it was well documented at the time. Otherwise, there was a lot of people that went out there. Uh, they didn't. It was in the 1800s, I believe. So they didn't have photographs or anything, but they had drawings that they took of it. Um, you know, it was basically, it looked like a plesiosaurus according to the drawings, uh, sort of. 
uh, not ex exactly, but uh, six blippers on it. Um, the head was removed and sent to London. Uh, and everybody who was there, actually, they brought him into, I forget where, uh, and they had a swear on their testimony uh, of what they discovered. So that this, this creature, whatever it was, uh, was, you know, was well documented, especially for the time. Uh, unfortunately, the head was destroyed during the uh, the Blitz uh, for World War II. Um, but you know that one of the theories is that you know, like maybe like uh, salmon, that they go up river to spawn. Then perhaps maybe this creature actually lives in the ocean and just goes up to lock to spawn. Maybe similar to that. Um, have you heard that? Be, uh, well. It would be incredibly difficult journey for it to make, but some oh, agree. Yeah. salmon make very difficult journeys because uh, at some point uh, the river Ness is barely, you know, knee deep. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's incredibly wide, but very, very shallow. You could paddle easily across it without getting, you know, uh, if you just rolled your trousers up. Um, and it would be, you know, very very difficult for something okay. large to you know but then but then at different times of year dolphins do go into Loch Ness hmm. um and you know you think back to the fifth century AD and the very first sighting purported to be the Loch Ness monster with St Columba wasn't in Loch Ness itself but in the river because St oh, Columba true. was yeah. spreading Christianity to the uh, Pictish Scots and he was confronted by the river Ness, uh, and he persuaded one of his traveling monks to cross the river to get a boat, because obviously saints don't get wet. Of course not. They walk on water, don't they? <clears throat> well, this one didn't. Oh, okay. um, he sent he sent a, a monk to go and find a boat. The monk paddled out, and this monster, this beast, reared itself up, and Saint Columba shouted at it and cursed it and it went away again and left the monk alone but that was and in what, the river next yeah and and it's, there's still continued research on it uh you last time we talked about this you, you talked about the dna test yeah they would what they were doing was basically dip sampling the whole of the lock and looking mm -hmm. for uh dna in the water um using modern techniques they can do that now and then Using that DNA, they can work out what species were in there. And, um, they did come up with, I, think, oh, I can't remember the exact percentage, but a significant percentage, 14 or 15 percent. No, 14 or 15 percent wasn't identifiable. Uh, 20 percent. But I, I knew it was a significant amount. Yeah, wasn't 20 percent. Yeah, that's the point I was getting to. The, the majority, the largest was eel. But they yeah. had, I mean, to show you how accurate it was, they had like human DNA, they had dog DNA, horse DNA, you know, different, you know, all the, plus all the aquatic species that are in it as well, mm -hmm. eel. And, and so I, that's the interesting part was that was that 20% of unidentified DNA, which. Well, it, it leaves the door open. It does. I mean, I mean, there are certain theories that you can discount. Um, one of the notions back in the day was that the monster uh, could uh, enter the lock via underground passageways and underwater caverns. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. Um, but Loch Ness is significantly above the level of uh, the North Sea, 
And if it was connected, of course, water always finds the lowest level and Loch Ness right. would, would basically empty itself. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, <laughs> so that idea was a bit of a dead duck. Um, but as I said before, people have come up with all manner of, you know, time traveling plesiosaurs. Uh, the, the other one I found interesting, too, was the um, Newfoundland shark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And there is actually a, there is actually a species living in Loch Ness that is from um, the Ice Age. Mm -hmm. There is. Um, which is the Arctic char. Um, oh, interesting. A, a relative of the salmon. So they found yeah. this like almost prehistoric fish. Yeah, the, part of the the, the Newfoundland they they did they grow quite big and uh, but yeah they're about they, fifteen they twenty foot long. About four hundred years, I guess one of the oldest ones that's yeah. been discovered. It's like four hundred yeah. years. And they're, they're huge because and they they're very incredibly slow moving as well. They're bottom feeders. Yeah, because uh, of the cold water. Because of the cold water, there yeah. I think there are species of the six skilled shark. But they they supposedly one of the longest lived animals on the planet. Yeah, uh, you know I wasn't aware of that, and uh, I, I found that part interesting. My research as well. In fact, they're doing uh, they're doing comparative research in a Norwegian, I believe. I think it's Norwegian. Yeah, Norwegian lake where a similar uh, beast has been uh, reported throughout the centuries, and they they're hoping to. They haven't done as much research there, of course, as, as Nessie, uh, but they're doing a lot of research and they hope to be able to actually get some more information because the water there is much clearer than at Loch Ness, which is, has a lot of peat. Yeah. Uh, so if they find something in that lake and it's more than probable that there is something very similar in uh, Loch Ness because it's the same lab. Well, what they did, what they what they've already discovered there are elvers, which are young eels. Yeah. Um, but the elvers themselves are the size of full-grown eels here. So these elvers, which should normally be between six and eight inches, are actually two or three feet long. That's and awesome. so it does suggest that it could actually be. Um, you know, one theory is that the Loch Ness monster is a species of giant eel, yeah. something something akin to the um, the conger or the moray eel, mm -hmm. um, and that's certainly you know that's certainly plausible. You know, given the amount of eel DNA, and um, mm -hmm. whilst during one of my visits we we spent some time with I forgot his name, but he was developing underwater camera systems and he'd taken you know, lots of video footage deep at the, you know, inside the you know, hundreds of feet down in Loch Ness. Mm -hmm. uh, and even at those great depths, there isn't, you know, 10 seconds of footage without an eel in it. They're everywhere. Yeah, that's, yeah. They're know, it, it, it literally is like eel central down there. So, uh, I mean, we, we, we discover new species every year, uh, every just about every day. Uh, in, in the in the planet and uh you know of all, all kinds of life born of uh you know plant life uh animal life and you know insects or whatever anyways so it, it leaves that 20 percent leaves it open that we may be dealing with the species that we are totally unaware of at this time or a large version of something that we already know about yeah there you go too yeah 
anyways, we do have to wrap it up. Uh, I noticed that the two-minute warning is here, just like in uh, football. Anyways, uh, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles International with uh, Steve Parsons and Ron Kolick right here on Tojinet Radio. Next week, we will have the real psychologist, Dylan Jones, and the... the parano- well, we just called the paranormal couple. Yeah, the Frankel, the uh, Anglo-American paranormal couple. I thought you, you, your Freudian slip was better than the Frankenstein paranormal. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, we're also brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 386 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Gallant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, not the end of Massachusetts. And our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio on Patreon, uh, you too can become a member. We just added a new feature, which I plan to go forward with called did you know uh this did you know deals with the demon cat of the capitol building so uh, these will be exclusive to our members only it's three bucks a month plus a cup of coffee join us and get access to body videos good night all and uh take care and stay tuned for ghost chronicles next generation good night don't look in the rearview mirror to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.